Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. I'm wearing mine right now. Bomba's socks. So comfortable and just what my feet needed. I'll tell you about them later, but right now visit bombas.com forward slash T-O-B for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com forward slash T-O-B. Life presents the toughest challenges. Every day you are faced with decisions that test your ability to express who you really want to be in this world. We're told to keep saying affirmations and keep thinking positively, but what do you do when that stuff doesn't work? Welcome to the Overwhelmed Brain, where you'll learn to make decisions that are right for you so that you can create the life you want now. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Paul Coliani and I'm here to help you increase your emotional intelligence so that you can avoid dysfunction handle toxic situations with grace and ease, and show up as your authentic self. Everything I talk about on the show is my personal opinion and is meant for informational and educational purposes only. Always consult a medical or psychological professional before making any changes that could affect your physical or mental health. I had a couple emails to read to you today. One is a response to a message that I read, when was it? On the February 2nd show, uh, 2020. And that show is called Bringing the Best Version of Yourself into a World Full of Fearful People. And uh, if you want to hear the full context of what I'm talking about today, that would be a place to go. But um, I did address a message back then that had to do with someone who was asking if they should put themselves first no matter what. Um, In the sense that uh, she has a relationship and her husband wants to be with her all the time. And she wants to experience the freedom of independence and have the relationship, something normal. I mean, that's a normal request. I want to be in this relationship and I want to be on my own doing my own things at certain times. You know, if I'm reading by myself or if I want to go out with my friends by myself or with or without you, It's something that anyone should be able to do in their relationship because you are still an individual. You are still a person that wants to know that you still have some autonomy, that your thoughts are still your thoughts. And what you want to do with your life doesn't have to contain the other person all the time. That person doesn't have to be there with you 24-7. You know, this is, I'm talking about regular relationships, even good friendships. If you have a good friend that uh, you want to hang out with all the time, it's good to give each other a break every now and then. For what I'm talking about today, it's not so much in the vein of friendships that I'm referring to because usually friends are the people that you want to see a lot and you're not always with them. You're always somewhere else and you connect with friends. Romantic relationships or even family relationships, sometimes you just need a break. And that doesn't mean that you've had too much of that person. It might mean that you just haven't had enough time with yourself. You know, there's a reason meditation is helpful. It's helpful because you get to connect with you. I'm not saying that you need to meditate or anything like that. It's your choice. I think it's a good practice. I don't do it all the time. When I do, it feels grounding. It feels connecting to me. I think it's a great thing to connect with you. How do you do that? You get rid of outside influence. If there's a person in your life that is dear to you and you love them and you care about them, when you want to spend time alone, it doesn't mean that you love them less. It just means that you want to connect with yourself. You want to make time for yourself. I believe that connecting with yourself is a good way to balance yourself and balance your relationships. This comes from a guy who used to want to stay connected to his partner um, 24-7. I was that guy. I wanted to be with her all the time. And I talked about this in the previous show, so I won't dive into it too much today. But 
It is absolutely true. When I was in a relationship, I always wanted to be with them. But there's a reason. The reason was I needed constant validation and I also needed constant reassurance that uh, we were good and that she wasn't angry with me and she still loved me and on and on. I just wanted to be with her more often than not because I needed that validation. And in that other episode, I talked about, hey, you know, when I picked up a hobby, when I started doing things on my own, I didn't need so much validation. I didn't need so much reassurance. It was very helpful to me to pick up other things to do and make friends outside of the relationship. doesn't mean you have to do that, but it can be helpful to have a life outside the relationship to keep the relationship not only balanced, but also fresh. I mean, you're going to bring in new information and new experiences into the relationship and also spontaneous. Like there's a little bit more spontaneity and variety in a relationship when you have a life outside the relationship. I'm not talking about another relationship outside the relationship. I'm talking about just normal things that you do with your friends and family and you come home and you share this with your partner and you talk about it and you have a day just like coming home and telling your partner about work. I mean, if you enjoy talking about work, it's kind of the same thing. You're talking about new things because you're going to know each other so well that it's nice to have a little variety. So again, I talked about that in the other episode. I don't want to get too deep into that. Um, But I brought this up because the person I talked about in that episode, again, it's called bringing the best version of yourself into a world full of fearful people. Um, She wrote back, She heard the show and she says, wow, you know, thank you so much. It really means a lot to me that you uh, helped me with that response. And because that email was older, a lot of things had happened in between the time she sent the email and the time I came out with the show. She wrote to me, gave me an update and asked me about something else. So I'm just going to read this to you and I'll try to keep her anonymous here. She said, my last relationship ended, the one I mentioned in the other episode, uh, when I came to the conclusion that it had become codependent and emotionally abusive. I spent the last year pursuing my new job and living independently. It has been successful and amazing. Okay, that's a great start. Now, I'm several months into a new relationship and I have a new problem. I can't decipher when I'm just being triggered or when I'm actually being treated badly. My new partner will do something or say something and in my mind, I feel disrespected and mistreated. I react by crying or yelling or running off. I'll feel so sure that what he did was not cool. I'll feel like he pressured me into sex or ditched me or purposefully ignored me. I'll fly off the handle and then he'll turn around and explain to me why there was nothing wrong with his behavior and I'll start to think, am I just being triggered? Was it all in my head? Is his behavior actually normal and acceptable and I'm the one manifesting issues? How does one decipher between when they've been triggered and when they've been genuinely mistreated? And then she said, whether or not I get a response, please know that you have helped me and so many other people to feel heard and understood. The tools you teach continue to improve and even literally save lives. Thank you endlessly. Wow. Thank you for that. Um, I hope this show is helpful. So thank you for that. And let me get to your email here. Your email is highlighting something I talk about on my other show. And if you haven't heard my other show, I highly recommend the person who wrote this email and anyone listening that this would help you listen to love and abuse because you just came out of an emotionally abusive relationship. And now you are in a relationship that from the surface level information I got in your email appears to also be emotionally abusive. Now I say that not knowing enough information, but As an amateur language analyzer, I can read between the lines. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that are listening now that can also read between the lines. One of the things that you said was, uh, my partner will do something or say something. And in my mind, I feel disrespected and mistreated. There's something to that. There's definitely something to that. Because a healthy relationship one that promotes happiness, that endorses happiness, you're not going to feel like that. You're not going to feel disrespected or mistreated, even if you have a trigger. 
Because what's probably happening in your relationship is that it happens so often that your radar is up, that you're sensitive to it, that there's something going on under the surface that you can't pinpoint. And because of that, it's like putting salt in an open wound. So you have been wounded in the past in this relationship in some way. And now that wound is open and it hasn't had enough time to close. Not only time, but it hasn't had enough uh, reassurance that it's okay to feel safe again for it to close. Because often when you are walking around always triggered or getting triggered a lot, there's something that started that that continues to this day. And so I would ask you, when did this start? Did it start on day one? Did it start on day 60? Has it just started recently? If it started on day one, it's possible that you brought it into the relationship with you. Like if you got triggered on day one and you thought to yourself, why am I getting triggered? All he did was this or all he did was that. I mean, you might have that thought and you might think about it and you'll realize, oh, that, you know, that's probably something in me. But if that didn't happen, if you got triggered one day and you thought, well, why am I getting triggered? Or that felt disrespectful, but maybe I'm overreacting because of this last relationship I was in, you know, PTSD, I'm bringing some trauma from the past into this one that can absolutely happen. Um, but I would highly recommend that you understand when it started, because if you understand at what point it started, then it will help you determine if maybe you brought triggers into the relationship or they developed while in this relationship. That doesn't mean that trauma can't sit in the background and then pop its ugly head when it's time because there's the honeymoon period. And then after the honeymoon period, people start acting more naturally, more themselves, and it comes out and suddenly you're triggered by behavior you didn't, you didn't see before. So the honeymoon period is kind of a dangerous period because you're getting all these wonderful signals that everything is great, yet it's the honeymoon period. You don't know for sure. So what you end up finding out is after the honeymoon period's over and you get closer and closer and maybe you start spending time over each other's houses or maybe you move in together, then you start to see some reality. And that's why I think when you're starting a relationship that you make sure you take things slow enough so that you make it past the honeymoon period and into the more realistic period of day-to-day activity. Because even something as simple as leaving your socks on the floor all the time and not caring that you care that the socks are on the floor, meaning he leaves his socks on the floor and you say, hey, could you please pick those up? And he says, no, I don't want to pick those up. It's only socks. It's not a big deal. That could irk you for months or years. And that trigger has now been formed because, yes, you probably are being disrespected. He doesn't value your values. Therefore, you both have separate value systems that may not be in alignment. And that is something to check. Are your values in alignment with each other? What does he value? Does he value, uh, I'm just throwing this out there, a messy house because it doesn't matter to him? Or does he not value a clean house enough because it doesn't matter to him, and you do. That could be something that really irks you. That could be something that is causing a problem. Maybe not a clean house, you know, fill in the blank. What does he value that doesn't seem to align with you? That could be one thing. Another thing is that you need to really catch yourself in the moment. In the moment you're triggered, before you come up with Uh, something to defend yourself before you even cry or run away. Ask yourself the simple question, why am I being triggered? And if you are used to asking yourself that, ask the question, what specifically did he do or say to trigger me? What specifically? This will help you start breaking the pattern of an immediate response or reaction. I'm not saying it's the answer, but this is going to help you start slowing down the steps from trigger to reaction. You want to get in between that. Oh, I'm getting triggered. What's going on? And you'll interrupt it before the reaction. Doesn't mean you have to deny yourself the reaction. You know, it would be nice, but you know, the reaction's coming. 
So stop yourself and allow yourself to have the reaction only after you answer those questions. Now, you may not have the answer. It may not come quick. And you may be with someone who knows how to craft words in a way that make you feel bad, but make him look innocent. And if that's the case, listen to Love and Abuse. I'm going to give you a specific episode title. Hold on. Actually, a couple episode titles or a few. Uh, One of them is recognizing you are being emotionally abused when you don't see the signs. That's going to give you some things to look for. So that's at loveandabuse.com. Another one is an analysis of emotional abuse, breaking down the bad behavior. That'll give you some more information that you can use that will be helpful. And a third one, and there's more in there, but I'm just going to give you this third one. Uh, It's called Kind Words Carefully Crafted to Plant the Seed of Guilt and Shame. That might be an effective one for you because when I was an emotionally abusive person, there are ways I could word things that sounded innocent, that sounded benign, and also effectively made my partner feel bad so that they couldn't point the finger at me and say, "Uh, you can't disrespect me or I don't deserve that kind of treatment. They couldn't do that because I, I, I hate to admit it, I carefully crafted my words so that I wasn't the guilty one and I wasn't the one putting them down. But when they processed the words that I spoke, they felt bad about themselves or bad about something they did. I learned a long time ago how to do that. And it comes from survival. It comes from old trauma in my past. I'm not making any excuse here. I I shouldn't have done that. I, I wish I hadn't done that. But this is what happened. And this is how my partners slowly felt less and less love for me. The love disintegrated because I behaved in that way. And this is manipulation. This is trying to control someone coercively. Very subtle, not nice, and a way to, like I said, control the other person so that I didn't have to conform or adapt to the environment or to them. And this is what manipulators and emotional abusers do. They don't want to necessarily look inward and figure out what they need to do to heal. So they put it out on someone else and have them deal with their dysfunction. So I was having my partners deal with my dysfunction. So I didn't have to. And I'm not trying to put down people who are being emotionally abusive, unless you're doing it on purpose. But there are people who have written to me and said, I'm emotionally abusive. I need to work on myself and I just need the tools to do it. How do I do it? And I come out with shows and episodes and things like that to help them and uh, more to come on that. But emotional abusers can change when they have empathy and they care about the person that they're with. They just need to get to that point where they stop focusing on the other person to change and learn that they need to take care of themselves, heal themselves, process and release hopefully any trauma or old emotional wounds that are still in there. So they stop manipulating the people around them. And uh, once they do that, then there's healing that can take place. In your situation, the person who wrote, I want you to A, ask those questions. B, trust your instinct because in a healthy relationship, you're not going to feel manipulated. You're not going to feel disrespected. You're not going to feel mistreated because you'll probably be able to talk about it. Like even if you said what you just said felt very disrespectful to me. The healthy, caring, supportive, empathetic person is going to say, oh my God, I didn't mean to do that. I'm sorry. Let's talk about it. That's the right answer or something like it. But what you're telling me, and this is where I read between the lines, is that he said, there's nothing I did wrong. That tells me that it's more important for him to look like the good guy than help resolve the problem with the relationship. And the relationship is both of you, not just you. It should never be one person feeling bad, feeling triggered, feeling like they can't get through, feeling like they're being disrespected, and the other person thinking, nothing wrong with me, it's all you. That is a clear, clear red flag of emotional abuse. I'm not saying that you're experiencing that, but I will say with your history in another relationship with emotional abuse that you may not see the red flags 
of that behavior. And it's important that you do so that you recognize it, nip it in the bud so it doesn't expand, so it doesn't amplify, and you don't get any deeper into something that may not be conducive to your happiness and wellness. So there's my thoughts for you. Um, I hope the other show helps. And um, I'm glad to hear that you're in a better space today. I want you to stay in that better space. Don't get sucked into anything toxic. Definitely address it as soon as possible. And don't be afraid to speak up. I mean, there's some questions in those episodes that you ask yourself. Like one of the questions is, do you know that when you do that, it hurts me? Getting the answer to that question is going to help you a lot in your own healing. Because if they say, well, no, I didn't know it's hurting you. They may follow it up with, but I'm not hurting you. That's your perception. They may say something like that, at which you can respond. And again, this is in the other episodes. Well, now that you know it hurts me, regardless if that's your intention or not, will you stop doing what you're doing? Or will you stop saying what you're saying? And, you know, they could say, I don't even know what I'm doing that hurts. And this is why it's important for you to start to pinpoint exactly what is being said or what is being done, which means once you're triggered, you ask yourself that question. Okay, why am I being triggered? What's causing this trigger? What exactly did he say? What exactly did he do? You might have to go write it down so you don't lose it. But once you have that and you can process it a little bit, then you are able to say, do you realize that when you say this, it hurts me with the follow-up question. Now that you know it hurts me, will you stop doing it? And the answer that you get from that point on is going to be, you know, revealing. I always say it's going to be a telling answer. It's going to be very revealing and that will give you a lot of information that helps you going forward. So thanks for writing. Thanks for that follow-up. And I do hope you get through this and, uh, you know, you might have to be a little bit more clear on how his behavior is affecting you so that he realizes the gravity of the situation In other words, when my behavior was pointed out to me when I was married, I realized the threat of a divorce was real. And because of that accountability, I realized I needed to change that behavior. She could have begged. She could have cried. She could have done anything before that. But when I knew divorce was real, that it was a possibility, suddenly I changed my ways. Suddenly I started healing. I looked inward and realized, okay, it's time to work on myself. So you may need to get to that level of accountability. I hope this helps. And when we come back, I'm going to read you another email, and it should be a pretty interesting one. It's about a family secret that was revealed. I'll tell you what happened when it was revealed, because somebody felt very uh, left out. Somebody felt very angry that they weren't told about this secret. And um, I haven't fully explored it yet, so I'll do that when I come back, right after this. I told you about them earlier at the beginning of the show at least I am wearing my Bombas socks and I also got uh, what six pairs for my girlfriend and I got six more pairs for her mom <laughs> and uh, her mom loves them and so does my girlfriend and so do I my new favorite socks in fact I think Bombas are the most comfortable socks in the history of feet so I don't say that lightly because I'm the kind of guy who typically just looks at a pair of socks and says well They'll cover my feet. Those those are good enough. <laughs> until, until I found out about Bombas and I tried those and I realized, oh, this is what I've been missing. These things are super soft, natural cotton, and every pair comes with arch support, a seamless toe, and a cushioned footbed that's comfy but not too thick. Um, they have many colors, patterns, and lengths and styles, and they look great at the gym, at the office, or what I do, I wear them around the house. And quite frankly, I've not ever felt a sock that fit like this. When I put them on, I can tell the difference immediately between my old socks and these. Bombas are what feet daydream about. So now that I know that uh, the people in my life love them, and I especially love them, I'm going to recommend that you love them too. You can buy your Bombas at bombas.com forward slash T-O-B. 
today and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com forward slash T-O-B for 20% off. And uh, just so you know, for every Bombas you purchase, they donate a pair to someone in need. If that isn't compelling enough, I don't know what is besides, you know, they fit great and they feel wonderful. And like I said, I am wearing them and I recommend them. Bombas.com forward slash T-O-B. Welcome back. I told you I was going to read you an email, but actually I'm just going to um, give you the highlights here because uh, there's a lot of details in it and I don't want to reveal all, reveal all those details to you um, because it's about, like I said, a family secret. And just as a precursor to this, I actually held a family secret for many years. And I asked her, can I tell mom? Can I tell anyone? And she said, no. <laughs> she said, no, I'll tell her someday, but I'm not going to tell anyone else right now. So I have thoughts and feelings around that, around that, that I'll talk about in a moment. But, um, this man wrote to me and he said, I want to throw my hat into the ring and see if you have any advice for me. Um, I've been married for several years and soon after my uh, parents divorced, one of my relatives told my wife that she was molested as a child from my stepfather. And, um, this was something that all of us already knew except my wife. So during that time, we got therapy and we got help and we all moved out and went on to live our lives and we just kept our distance from my stepfather. However, my wife, when she found out this information, said she felt betrayed and lied to. And ever since then, nothing has been the same. My wife has pretty much completely cut off my mom and our family and our marriage is struggling even though we're seeing separate therapists on our own time. My stepfather was never convicted as a child molester because it was too long ago, and there's nothing we can do about it now. He himself has two stepchildren, but I honestly don't know if they know what he did. My wife wants those children to know what kind of person he is, but my therapist and I don't really see the point in them knowing about it now since he's out of the picture. I don't know what to do. My wife wants everyone to know the type of person he is and says she's protecting everyone. I'm not sure what our status will be by the time you read this or if you'll get it at all, but I'd love to hear your insight. I don't know if it's something that'll just pass, but she's really holding on to this and we're just in a weird limbo because I want to move forward and have a normal life again and she won't allow it to happen until something happens to him and until then, she doesn't want to be around me or at least she says she doesn't. Anyway, thanks for all you do with your show. Much love. Okay, thank you so much for sharing that and like I said, I've held on to a family secret and I'm sure many people listening have held on to family secrets and this one is a doozy. This one is a big one because your wife probably knows your stepfather. Your wife is probably deeply connected to the members of your family. So there's several things going on here and I want to address uh, the first one that really struck me. I mean, a lot of a lot of this struck me, but the first one that really struck me is that you said since it's been too long, you can't do anything about it. Like he can't be convicted, he can't get in trouble. Um, that's not always true. That's not always true because at least in the U.S., I can speak for this side of the world. There are resources that you can look into to find out what you can do. Now. You yourself may just want to, like you said, move on. You don't want to deal with this anymore, or you don't have to deal with this anymore, or it was a, a bad time in your life and you don't want to bring it up again. But I'm going to say that your wife isn't wrong for wanting to pursue this. In fact, she's 100% right. If this guy really did molest, sexually abuse, or let's use the most offensive term, rape a child, then he needs to be accountable. So this may not be the answer you're looking for, but, and I'm not saying you have to pursue this or anything, but let me just give you a perspective that maybe will help you understand your wife and her pursuit here. Because some people will get away with murder, and we know who they are. We hear them on the news sometimes. Some people will get away with bad things 
And because time has gone by, we think, well, nothing we can do about it now. It's like we give in to time and never create accountability for the people doing the bad behavior. And when we do that, it's basically saying, it's okay. Your behavior is okay. And I know the argument is, yes, but it's been so long. The, you know, the statute of, lim- statute of limitations is up. Uh, there's nothing we can do now. Or the other argument is, and we've seen this um, with celebrities that have gotten up in age, and we think, oh, he's an old man, so you know, why bother pursuing this hard? Why put him in jail? Because now he's old. I know I sound cold. I know I sound heartless. Or maybe I don't. Maybe some people are agreeing with me out there. But it doesn't matter the age. If you did the crime, you have to do the time. There's accountability for your behavior. So when somebody does something that is not only against the law, but of the highest immorality and caused suffering to another person, especially a person who probably couldn't defend herself, it's a real issue that Yes, some people want to sweep under the rugs because they don't want to deal with it or they have dealt with it in their own way and they want to move on. But with this in particular, coming back to your email, talking about your wife, she is experiencing this for the first time as if he just did it yesterday. I'm not saying that's what she's thinking, but imagine that you just found out the deepest, dirtiest, darkest secret for the first time. Now you have to process it. So she may be going through what you went through when you were younger or not. I don't know. But I do know that because she seems to be of moral character, that she finds this wholly offensive. And in my opinion, she's right. So this isn't to say that I side with everything that she's thinking and doing and feeling. I'm just giving you a perspective that some people will need to act on what they know. And this is her lack of closure. She wants to act on what she knows. She wants him to experience justice. She wants to tell people so that they know to avoid him. Now, do adults have to avoid him? I'm not saying that. I'm saying that if there are other adults that have kids, for example, if his stepchildren grow up and have their own kids, are they going to let them see their stepfather? Or maybe she wants to make sure he's registered in the sexual offenders database so that when somebody is near him with kids, those kids will have a better chance of not being around him. You know, we could explore that. And um, I have a direct connection with a lot of this uh, information because my girlfriend herself was sexually abused when she was a child. And so she created a movement called the Fiona Project and she created a music video for that. Uh, She created a website that I'm going to share with you momentarily that has all the resources you need, regardless if it's happening now, if it happened last week, or it happened 30 years ago. You may have options that you haven't considered. I'm not telling you that you have to do this, the person who wrote the email. I'm saying that there are options that you may not have considered that you may or may not want to pursue. It's up to you. It's up to you to tell your wife. I personally think that when you have information like this, that too many people sweep it under the rug. Too many people just let things stay as they are because it doesn't seem to be happening anymore. The problem is with um, the real offenders out there, the real child molesters out there, is that you're not going to know they're doing it. You're not going to know that they are hurting children because they are so good at techniques like grooming, manipulation, pretending to be the family's best friend. They're so good at pretending to be someone else just to get closer to the person they want to hurt. And often they appear to be the nicest people. They're kind and generous and caring, very much like the emotional predator that I talk about on my other podcast about emotional abuse. They're predators that know how to sneak their way into families and relationships in order to get what they want. So we have to be very diligent when we know someone is a predator to be careful not to have their prey around them. 
This sounds like what your wife wants to do. She wants to advise people of a predator. And so, again, I know it sounds like I'm just siding with your wife and whatever you say, it doesn't matter. It's not that at all. It's just that I want to give you her perspective. I want to put you in her shoes. And maybe you've done this. Maybe you completely understand. But there's a space that you're in right now and there's a space that she's in right now. And if you're not in her world experiencing this space, you may not be able to understand what she's going through. And she may not be getting the support that she needs from you in order for her to feel not so alone. Because I guarantee you, if everyone else knew this secret and she just found out and everyone else has had time to process and heal and deal with it and move on, she now feels alone. She has no support system, no structure. And how do you feel when you have no support system and no structure? You feel very isolated. You feel that no one understands what you're going through. You feel like everyone else is maybe ignorant or maybe they don't care. And that's a very scary feeling. You know, you mentioned some other stuff in the email that I didn't read on the air. And it was a comment on her um, psychological health. And what you shared with me was that, you know, she's in perhaps not the best psychological health, which means information like this might even be more impactful in her life. So not, not only does she feel alone, She's trying to process this. She's trying to get through it and understand what she needs to do next. And perhaps one of the ways that she can find closure with this and reach healing is to make sure justice or accountability is served. And she may be on that mission inside of her. You know, I don't disagree with her. I think when you have information, perhaps something should be done. I'm not saying always. I'm not saying that absolutely anytime you find out something that somebody did 30 years ago that you should report them right away. I mean, in this case, it's often swept under a rug. In child sexual abuse cases, it's often something we look at and go, well, the child has grown up, so on and so on. So don't worry about it now. And I think that happens a little too often. So I might be a little biased here. But giving you this perspective can help you understand maybe where she is. Now, I don't know if the relative who told you she got molested actually wants to pursue this because this is a whole different dynamic. If the person who got molested doesn't want to pursue this and doesn't want to bring it to light, then that's a different story because now your wife knows and she wants to bring it to light and that will put uh, your relative back in the spotlight. And so that might be a conversation that the relative you're talking about speaks to your wife and says, you know, if this comes to light again, I will have to deal with it. It's not something that you necessarily have to deal with. I have to deal with it. And that might be a great conversation for your wife to have with this person. And hopefully they already did. But if they didn't, it's something important because I think your wife needs to know compelling reasons not to pursue this. So this is a challenge. I get it. I held on to the family secret. It's the same secret. Um, I had a relative come to me and said she was sexually abused by someone I know. And it was, I mean, that news was devastating to me. I couldn't believe it because I, I knew this person all my life. And for this information to come out and having to deal with it for the first time, when this person telling me had already processed it, had done some healing around it, had some anger about it still, but wasn't um, overtaken by all the emotions around it. This person already knew this information because it happened to her. And she had time to process it. And I was processing it in the moment. I started crying. I couldn't figure out what to do next. And then she told me, don't tell anyone else. And that was the hardest secret I've ever had to keep. I couldn't tell my mom. And I would talk to my mom about different aspects of the family and different problems and toxic elements of the family. But I could never, ever bring this subject up because I honored the person that told me. And so I chose to honor this person and bear the burden of the secret. I don't even like saying it that way because she was bearing the burden of the event. I was only bearing the burden of the information about the event. Yet it affected me because the person she was telling me about was very close to me. And uh, it was, I can't even explain to you how difficult it was to hold that secret for so long. Wanting to speak, wanting to say something. 
so I can relate to your wife. Eventually, my mom did find out. It was a combination of this person telling her and me telling her. It shocked her too. So now she had to deal with this because she never knew. And uh, this can be a problem when you hold family secrets is that eventually someone's going to find out and then we have to bring it up all over again. Sometimes it's better just to tell everyone, get it out of the way. I'm not saying you should do this. If anyone's listening and you have a big family secret, that could be a big problem if you do that. But sometimes, you know, I think about this, I go, wow, it's a family secret. It's going to come out eventually. Why don't we just say this now? I'm not saying that's advice. I'm not telling you to do that, but it is something I think about because it eventually comes out and now the processing has to happen all over again. So back to your email, I want to tell you this is that make sure that you empathize with your wife's position and act as if she just found out it happened yesterday. I mean, not the secret, but the actual event. It's like, hey, your stepfather just molested someone yesterday. If that were the case, how would you feel? I mean, this helps you get into empathy. How would you feel if you found out that someone you know and love and trust I don't know if you did with your stepfather or not, but someone you know and love and trust did something heinous, awful, and they just did it. Now you're trying to process it. So putting yourself in that space gives you perspective. Regardless of her psychological condition, she needs to know that someone is in that space with her. So that's the first step. Now, I told you that there's another part of this that... You said that nothing can be done because it's been so long. I'm going to give you a website uh, that my girlfriend created, and it is a resource site that you can help yourself find out if the statute of limitations has gone by or if the state that you're in, if you're in the U.S., if the state that you're in has extended it because some states have. There are some adult survivors that have gone after a person because some of the statutes of limitations have been extended. Now, I don't know if it's a good idea for your wife to do that necessarily. She may want to. And um, if she does, it will dredge up your family history. People will get sucked into the case and, you know, everything else. The police will be involved. I, I, you know, I don't want to scare you into that. But if your wife does that, if your wife dredges up your family's history, that may not go well with your family, but she may look to you or the person who was molested, or she may look to the family to find out if you're going to do anything about it, which brings me to the point. Oh, let me give you that website. The website is helpforsurvivors.org, helpforsurvivors.org. And if you scroll down on the right, you'll see uh, there's a little link that says legal help. And it's a very well done site. It's not like some of the other sites I've seen that there's just tons and tons and tons of information. You can't even find anything. She actually made it so it was easy to use. So check that out. If you are a current CSA, child sexual abuse survivor, or you want to know your rights, or you want to know what uh, you can do next, that site has all the resources that you need. Helpforsurvivors.org. And I recommend you at least read up on the laws in your area so that you don't just assume that, well, it's too late, nothing can be done now. If the statute of limitations has gone by and you want to pursue this, or at least give your wife some sense of that feeling of justice and accountability, and maybe you if you want that too, but if you want to give your wife that sense of closure she might be looking for, there's another website that you can report someone who has done something like this anonymously. It doesn't mean they're going to get arrested. It doesn't mean that you're going to appear in the spotlight or your family's going to appear in the spotlight. But what it does, I believe, is check the database to see if anyone else has reported this person anonymously. There's more to it, and I don't want to dig into it too much right now, but the site's address, the site's URL is me2csa. So it's the word me, the number two, and then CSA. Me, the number two, CSA, like child sexual abuse. Me2CSA.com. That site is for adult survivors of child sex abuse to anonymously identify their abusers. So at least it gives your wife some sense of closure. I'm not saying that she has to do this. Again, 
she's kind of putting herself in the middle of this. And I don't know how that site works. I know they are very um, careful and confidential about the information and the person who enters it. And I don't know if your wife is allowed to enter it or if the person who was the actual survivor has to enter it, but that is another option. So if you're helping your wife seek justice or seek closure and you and your family are willing to do this, that may be an option for you. I hope it is. I mean, I hope at least that's done because the crime has been done and the implementation of suffering should not go unaccounted for. I I do believe that when there's somebody out there who has administered suffering and you know about it, that sometimes you help karma along. And like I said, this is kind of a biased uh, perspective that I have, but at least it gives you the perspective that you might need because your wife may be experiencing some really serious issues with this because it really is an important matter. And for those who have gone through it and have done their healing and have processed it, other people are going through it for the first time. So that's where I think your wife is. And we can't discount the possibility that she herself may have experienced something when she was younger. I'm not saying that's what happened and I'm not saying you should look into it. That's totally up to you and her, but it is possible that something is bubbling up for her as well. And uh, it's also possible that she doesn't remember it because often the children that experience this, they go very subconscious. They go into a, a second state of mind where they close off or shut down their senses so that they don't have to experience the, the suffering that's going on in the external world. So they'll go inward. They'll disconnect. They'll become dissociated where they don't experience the real world. They're internal. They're locked into their subconscious mind as a form of protection. And I'm really simplifying it. But uh, if you've ever been through any type of trauma when you were a child, if the trauma was so bad that you didn't want to face it, uh, you had the ability to block out the outside world and not see or hear anything or at least commit it to memory. The problem is that most dissociated events leave a physical memory where later on in life, if you're touched in a certain spot after you've had a dissociated traumatic event, you might burst into tears or you might cower in fear or get angry or something that causes a PTSD response. And when you can't remember what happened to you, psychological issues can develop because your mind and your body are trying to figure out why do I feel this way? And they're trying to process it and trying to heal. And that's why therapy is important. And talking to people about your past when you're holding on to something or when you don't know you're holding on to something, there might be something that you need to discuss or heal from. Again, I'm not saying that your wife experienced any of that. It could be a chemical imbalance that she's going through, uh, you know, with her psychological issue. But if she's in any type of state of mind that is adding to learning of this information and it makes it worse for her, then it's going to be even more difficult, which means that her support system might need to ramp it up and see what they can do to help her and try to get into her model of the world. In other words, try to see things from her perspective. So it's a deep issue and I know that you're dealing with some some heavy stuff here. But um, I wanted to share with you perspective and also give you some resources in case you want to pursue this with her or for her. Also wanted to remind you that her support structure probably feels very crumbled, very minimal right now, even though you might be supportive in other ways. But uh, the way I described it might help you connect with her in a different way. And on, I mean, there's so much we could talk about with this one subject matter alone. But I do think it's vital that you understand that she wants to pursue this. I mean, you know this. She wants to pursue this so bad because it's brand new to her as if it just happened. And if you can connect with her in that space and be the supporting, devoted husband that you want to be for her, and that sounds like a cheap shot. <laughs> it really does. I'm sorry. That doesn't mean that I want you to just Go against your values or dredge up all this history that you don't want to deal with. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying that in order for her to feel safe and connected and get this marriage back on track, if this is your number one pursuit, that's probably what she's looking for. She probably wants that 100% 
a, quote, devoted, loving, caring, supportive husband that comes in and helps her fight the battle that she's in because she feels alone. So this is, again, very tough stuff. I know you're dealing with a lot, and you and your family have dealt with a lot, and I'm sorry that you had to go through that. And um, just remember, when it comes to any type of sexual predator, they usually don't just say, oh, okay, I did it once and I'm done. It's not usually the way it goes. Uh, I wish it was the way it went. I mean, I wish they never did it, but it's not usually the way it went because they have an inner drive. They want to do it again and again. It's sort of like the sex drive of a young man. I'm sorry, I'm going to single out young men here. It's the sex drive of a young man. He wants sex. It's so powerful in his system. Well, imagine that drive in another form with another stimuli. And that's exactly what happens. I mean, I'm making some educated guesses here, but I, I believe that's exactly what happens with a sexual predator. There's a drive in there. They want it so bad and they do everything they can to maybe stop themselves, hopefully, but some don't stop themselves and some find ways to sneak into a family and that can be very dangerous, which means your wife probably sees this in your stepfather that he is capable of sneaking into anyone's family because if he's around any children, those children may be in danger. I wish you the best with this tough, tough subject. I know I haven't covered even half of it and there's probably things I could and should tell you even more so, even more information, even more guidelines and what to watch out for and what you should do but it's just a very very deep complex subject when other people are involved when other people were the victim and someone has to deal with the information for the very first time so at minimum maybe you can look at your wife proudly that she doesn't want someone like that to get away with something so awful that is commendable thanks for writing good luck with this and thanks for tuning in we'll be right back i'll say some thank yous and my goodbyes after this. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to remind you to visit bombas.com forward slash T-O-B and get 20% off your first purchase of those amazingly comfortable socks. B-O-M-B-A-S dot com forward slash T-O-B. And I want to thank Valerie and Zachary for their support in the patron program. Actually, Valerie sent a recent donation. Thank you, Valerie. And Zachary renewed a year of patron support. I appreciate you, Zachary and Valerie. You guys rock. And I want to thank anyone in the patron program who is supporting the show. If you find value in this show and you are gaining ground, gaining traction, and you want to return the favor, help support the show through patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com. I know it's a long URL. I'm working on it. <laughs> I'm going to get a new URL soon, uh, maybe in the next month or so. But I thank you, patron members. I appreciate you. You are definitely making a difference and you are help keeping the show going. And I want to remind you of love and abuse. We talked about emotional abuse today and other types of things that happen in difficult relationships. You'll get a lot from love and abuse over at loveandabuse.com. That's my other podcast about dealing with difficulty and control and emotional abuse in relationships, uh, any relationships, not just romantic. And you'll get a lot of good information over there too. And I want to remind you of the safe system for anxiety. I haven't talked about that in a while. That is still available over at quietbegins.com. If you have anxiety and you're dealing with anxiety and you just want to get rid of it, visit quietbegins.com. That might be the perfect solution for you. And finally, I'd like to thank Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in the overwhelmed brain. And to close the show, my final words have to do with, um, you might be noticing me taking a little bit of a stand in this episode. Not so much where I own the platform and I'm, I'm going to yell and scream until everyone listens to me, but um, in the sense where when you value something so deeply, when something just resonates through your soul and you really feel like you have to stand up and say something about it, you might have to do it. You might want to do it. Maybe you should do it. Maybe it's a, a way of life that if you haven't done it yet, maybe you can think about starting to do it. And all I mean is that sometimes life goes by where things happen and we don't exactly like what's happening and we want to change that, uh, yet we don't say anything. So 
when will it be a good time to say something or do something or stand up for what you believe is right? When will be the right time? Is it ever the right time? Will it ever be the right time? Will it ever be the perfect time? Or maybe you just have to take a stand. Maybe you just have to make up your mind, take a stand, and see what happens. Now, don't put yourself in any dangerous situations, of course, but I want to tell you what happens when you start taking a stand for what's right in your life, for what you believe in. You start honoring yourself in a way that you've never done before, or at least to that extent. I mean, there's nothing more powerful than reinforcing your values and beliefs. There's nothing more life-changing when you decide to take a stand when nobody else will. And there's nothing more courageous than wanting to stand up for your integrity or the integrity of someone else or to protect someone's reputation or their life. There are ways of doing things that some of us will step right into and there are ways of doing things like I myself have chosen not to for so long. And I realize that when you do this, when you take a stand, you're probably going to lose friends. You're probably going to lose people that are important to you. And that is a consequence of taking a stand sometimes. Not always, but it sometimes is. Sometimes friends or family don't have the same values, don't have the same beliefs, and they're not going to follow along, and they're not going to get you, and they're not going to agree with you, and they're not going to want to associate with you. And this is why some of us don't take a stand. Some of us want to say things at certain time to certain people. And some of us want to implement justice like I talked about in the last segment. And uh, doing that, we know that there is going to be fallout. There is going to be loss in certain ways. And people may not be happy with us. And that's definitely a big choice. That is something I can't walk you through. That is a personal choice that needs to be addressed and processed in the person making the choice. It can be difficult. So when you see someone that maybe should take a stand, but they don't, remember, it's a very, very difficult choice, if it's even a choice at all, because some people will make the choice of not having the loss in their life and not taking the stand. So they have to live with that choice. Just like there are people that will take the loss in their life by taking a stand, And we wonder, why the heck did they do that? Why did they follow that path? Why did they decide to wreck their relationships by taking that stand? You know, sometimes that's a journey that we may never understand. When somebody else does something that we disagree with, maybe they're passionate about it. Maybe they know they're losing friends and losing their support system. And maybe they have a very solid reason. And I think it's vital to understand at least if you are connected with them in any way, what that reason is. Why are you pursuing this so greatly? I mean, think about all the political debate that goes on in social media right now, and even amongst friends and family close to you, people disagree. And if you disagree, then I don't like you because obviously you stand for this awful thing and I stand for this righteous thing. But let's remember what Stephen Covey said about seeking to understand before trying to be understood. I think that's a great thing to remember because it takes you out of finger pointing mode and seeing other people as wrong and helps you open your ears and give the safe space for someone to express themselves to learn exactly why they feel the way they do, why they think the way they do. And perhaps you'll learn that you're not so different after all. Not with every topic, but I think a lot of topics you'll find that there's probably some common ground that you can meet on and decide, oh, I guess your views aren't so radical after all. And then you'll meet the radical ones, and then you'll say, Paul, you're wrong. (laughs) Those people are radical. Their beliefs are radical, and I won't disagree. There are some people out there, or lots of people out there, that have radically different beliefs, which is why it's always important to keep an open mind so that you can step into your power and be firm in your decisions and actions. This will help you create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you, you are amazing.
Has the winter season taken a toll on your tile, upholstery, carpet? Call Cyclone Cleaners, 570-726-6200. For all your carpet, upholstery, and ceramic tile cleaning needs, it's Cyclone Cleaners. Also offering odor treatment and soil and stain guard. Choose the only cleaning company that supplies the water to clean your home and disposes of it when they are finished. Call Cyclone Cleaners to schedule your cleaning today, 570-726-6200.